to the to really to the word with this. Um, you know, he wants he's he's terrified of us discovering uh, what we have in Christ. You know, the devil is terrified of that. He is a wreck. I, whenever you think of the devil, I want you to imagine a wreck. Someone who's a wreck. He's just he tries his best to put it together, to hold it together. He's mustering up every strength that he can he can come up with to uh, to try and make himself look secure whenever he's approaching us. <laughs> but he's terrified and he's so insecure. The enemy's so afraid of you discovering who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because when you discover who you are in Christ Jesus, it is game. Over. Say game over. Yeah, you guys are on mute, but it's okay. Game over. It's game over. Game over for the devil. Uh, and, and that's what he's afraid of. You guys have heard me say this before. We know that the devil is afraid of God. Man, we know that. That's set in stone. But I want you to know that the devil is afraid of you too. He's afraid of you. See, uh, What we think most of the time is... The enemy is not afraid of me. He's afraid of God. So as long as I'm walking next to God, I'm, I'm okay, right? But the thing is, you don't exist without God. You are in God. And you've been born again, a new creation with the life of God, with the likeness of God in you. And so you, and you are, <laughs> the devil cannot even be compared to the power you hold, you have as a son of God, as a daughter of God. Amen? You with me? So you're born again with the life of God. The enemy is terrified of that. And he's doing everything in his power to keep us at bay. To keep us restrained. That's why the only power the devil wields over the Christian or the believer is the power of lies. That's it. He has no real power but what? Deception. Because deception gifts enables him to cause you to do things that harm yourself. You're the only weapon that the devil can successfully use against yourself. Are you with me? So he has no, he has no other power but you, which he will use against you. And the way he will cause you to, to, to you call, he will cause you to use you. The way he will use you against yourself is by lying to you about who you are. By keeping you from discovering who you are. So when we know who we are. And how much God loves us. And that's the number one thing. He will make us, he will, he's out to make us doubt how much God loves us. He's, the, that's catchy, right? The devil's out to make us doubt how much God loves us. That sounds like a rap, like a 90s rap. Kind of cheesy. Um, but that's what he's after. He wants to make us doubt how much God loves us. So if you don't know how much God loves you, whenever you come into an atmosphere of worship, you're not going to worship right. You're going, to, you're going to worship as if to earn God's love, as if to earn God's presence, as if to earn God's favor. And we're not, we're not supposed to worship God to impress Him so that He would visit us with His presence. We worship God because He loves us. Come on. Right? John, John writes in 1 John that we love, why? Because He first loved us. You know how to love because God loved you first. You worship God because why? He loved you first and He continues to love you. So, the enemy's terrified of us discovering who we are as the beloved children of God. Amen. And so last week, as you guys, you guys know, we started a new series on rest, resting in God. Say resting in God. Resting in God. And especially at a time uh, like what we're going through right now in the world, this is a time that we need to figure out and learn and know 
how to rest in God. What does it mean to rest in God? And how am I going to enter into that state of, of resting in God? All right, okay. So last week's main point was this. If you want to rest in God, the first thing, the first thing that you must do is stop trying to be accepted by Him. There is no way you will ever rest in God unless you know that God loves you and that God is for you and that God accepts you. Amen? Does that make sense? So we can't be trying to get to get or earn God's acceptance, God's favor, God's love. And at the same time trying to be resting in Him. Because you're working. Are you with me? You can't be working to, to have God's acceptance, to have God's uh, favor and God's love, and at the same time rest in His love. You can't do both. The good news is that we have already been loved by God. Hallelujah. God loved us not when we fixed everything and got our, our, our lives together and right uh, before Him. He loved us while we were messed up. So the Bible teaches us, right? Romans 5, 8. He loved us when we were still sinners. When we were still broken. When we were still His enemies. And, and we saw the portion of Scripture from Matthew chapter 5 uh, from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Blessed are who? The poor in spirit. See? The poor, the broken, those who have a lack of God. He says they are blessed. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven, the, everything that is in God's kingdom and who He is, him, him, Himself included, is a gift that He has given to us, to His enemies. Hallelujah. Jesus came and died for His enemies. Jesus came and bore the sins of His enemies so that we could freely receive a new life. So that we could freely receive rest with God. And that's what we received in God. So the first thing that you must do if you want to stop uh, if you want to, if you if you want to, if you want to uh, rest in God, the first thing you must do is stop trying to be accepted by Him. So the next time you find yourself restless, the next time you find yourself anxious and feeling confused and feeling lost, ask yourself, how am I seeing my relationship with God right now? Am I dealing with condemnation? Do I feel like I'm not right with God? Do I feel like that God is perhaps? Uh, angry with me or not for me? Like, what lie am I believing about my position as a son of God? Are you with me? You have to ask yourself that. The next time you struggle to rest, the next time you're fe feeling fearful, ask yourself, how am I seeing myself in my position as a child of God? Do I have some doubt about it? I've told you guys this before. The, you know, years back, I was, I remember I was uh, in my room praying and the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation about how I saw him and how I uh, interacted uh, with him and, 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 and really mainly how I saw my relationship with him, okay? And he, he showed me uh, like a, a cell phone battery, you know, like the, the status of your, your battery uh, status. Actually, not in battery. Sorry, it wasn't battery. It was the connection, your connection bar, the, the bar. So you know that you either have, well, the, the way you're, you know, how you're connected to the, inter, to the internet or your whatever uh, connection to the cell tower, you can have what? Full, a full bar connection or what? Two bars or three bars or whatever, right? So God said to me that you view your relationship with me as if you have a two bar or three bar connection. Are you guys following? And he said to me, 
And he said to me, that's your problem. Because I know, at the time, I knew that God loved me. I knew what grace was about. I knew about salvation I, to, the, to the level that I knew it. I, had, I, had, I thought I had a pretty good understanding of my, uh, my sonship and the fact that I'm the righteousness of God. But I still struggled with condemnation and all these things. And, and he said to me, you know, his, there is no way you can have a two-bar connection with me or a three-bar connection with me. The way it works is you're either 100% connected. You either have a full bar or you have no connection at all. Okay? And a lot of us, our struggle is in the fact that we know we're saved. You know you're saved. You know that if you die, you're going to go to heaven. But you still don't have rest in your life because you have insecurity about your connection to God. Not in terms of your salvation necessarily. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's somebody. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you feel like you're, you keep losing your salvation and that God is mad at you and, he, and, and, and you, you got to get Him again. I want to tell you, it's not by, you never got saved by works. Hallelujah. It's because of what Jesus has done. And He's caused you to be rebirth and born again into a new reality. Hallelujah. Where you are now walking with God and you have a life that is eternal. Eternal life with Him, okay? And, and it's not about your physical works. But what Jesus has finished for you, amen? But even if you understand this concept, you still struggle. We still struggle. Because we know we're connected to God, but we feel like, you feel like you're connected to God and you, you're saved and you have a relationship with Him, but God is kind of mad at you, right? Like He's kind of just, not even mad or angry, but just like not as cool with you. And that's just a very... A disorienting place to me. You know, he like I know I'm saved, but God, like, you know, you're you know when you have like uh, your friend is is kind of just hurt about something, and they're still acting normal, but it just bothers you. There's something. Maybe they're just too nice. You know, what I'm talking about when people just are just too nice, very robotic in their response. And like, like, hey, you want to do something? Like, yeah, okay, fine. You kind of give you a smile. But you're just like, it doesn't feel like us anymore. There's something off, right? Like, and, and we feel like there's something off with our relationship with God. And God is like, His. You can't, there's, with me, you're either, I am 100% pleased with you and happy with, with you. And you're connected to me or you're not. Praise God. So what God wants us to know is that we have a full bar connection with Him. Come on. You're connected to God. And He's pleased with you. Perfectly pleased with you. Happy with you. As a matter of fact, when you struggle, when you keep failing in this body of yours, while you're walking on this earth and you keep failing, God hurts for you. Even when He's displeased, He is displeased with a loving foundation. Are you with me? Right? Like, if, if a family member, someone you love, lost their mind, you would be displeased, right? Are you with me? You would be displeased, but you're not displeased with anger at them. You're displeased for them. And that's a different place. These are, these are two different things. So God's displeasure about your failures now are not at you, but for you. The displeasure that God had with Jesus when he was on the cross was at Jesus. But with you, it's for you. Come on. Because God loves you and you're already connected to Him, okay? So if we want to rest in God, the first thing we must realize is this, that you are accepted by Him, that He is pleased with you, that your connection with Him is not subpar, but is perfect. Amen? Thank you, Lord.
That's, that's the first thing we must know. The second thing is this. The second thing is we need to know the promises that God has made us. And that's what we're talking about today. Today's sermon title in this series is Exceedingly Great and Precious Promises. Exceedingly Great and Precious Promises. So the first thing to rest in God is asking yourself, am I trying to be accepted by God right now? And if you are, to stop that. And to know that you're accepted. The second thing is to know what God promises you. Amen? And to remain in His promises. So this is what the second thing that will lead us to rest. Now let me tell you this. The devil, if he, if he can't win at convincing you that God accepts you. If he can't stop you from believing the truth about that. What he will try to do is make you... Uh, taint your image of what it means to be accepted by God. He'll take it, he'll, he'll push it to something more like tolerance, like God tolerates you. <laughs> God doesn't, is not tolerating you. Amen? Come on. I want you to know this. You are not in, in the kingdom of God as someone that God just tolerates, that God is saying, let them in. Jesus paid for their sin. No. There she is. <laughs> That's not what his attitude is. Praise the Lord. He sees you, the new creation. The one who he calls his righteousness. Amen. Um, so we must, we, the, the enemy is very good at, at adjusting his deception based on how you're reacting to his lies. So even if when, you, when, you, when, you, when you pass one thing and believe the truth about that and you, de you destroy him, you beat him, he will quickly adjust and rebound and he will, he will disguise that, the truth in a different way. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be always watching out for that and being aware uh, being aware of that praise the lord so the key to resting in god is his promises so this is the second key the first the first like i said is knowing that you accept the second is his promises knowing god's promises so resting in god guys means resting in his promises those are synonymous Resting in God means resting in His promises. Unless you know what God has promised His children and the promises that we have in God, then we have nothing to rest in. You can't just say, I just rest in God. I'm just going to rest in God. I'll just trust Him. But if you don't know what you're trusting about God, if you don't know what you're resting in, namely the promises that He's made you, that claim will end up being an empty claim in your life because you have nothing concrete to hold on to. Are you with me? Yeah, God. So God wants us to know what His promises to, our, to us are. The promises of God, by the way, are 100% tied to who you became by being born again. So everything goes back to that place of being born again. Everything, guys, in our lives that, that has to do with us goes back to the foundation of the finished work of Jesus. That is not a disputable thing for us. It's not something that we can balance out with something else. It's all about the finished work of Jesus and whatever that it is that we're looking at. And in this case, we're talking about God's promises. They are built, His promises are built on the foundation of the finished work of Jesus and us being born again because of the finished work of Jesus. Amen? So 
they're tied 100% to Jesus' finished work. Uh, turn your Bibles to, to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, okay? Second Peter chapter one. And we're going to read it from verse two, just for a bit of context. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now look at verse 4. It says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great. Say great. Great. And precious promises. Okay. We have been giving, given what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. I love how Peter uh, describes the promises we receive. He doesn't just say we've received promises from God. No, 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 not just promises, man. Exceedingly great. Hallelujah. And precious promises. Your rest in God only comes when you realize that the promises that you, He made you are exceedingly great and precious. And you know what they are. Amen. It's tied to that. And, and he tells us where these promises came from. When you look at that scripture, it tells us that in verse 3, that his divine power, God's divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Okay, So this divine power that Peter is talking about here, by the way, is the resurrection power. Resurrection power means the power that raised Jesus from death unto life. That's what the resurrection power is. And that's this, also the same power that raised you and I from our spiritual death, who, the people we used to be before being right with God, into the life we have now, right? We got resurrected too. You've been resurrected already in the spirit, one day you'll be resurrected in the body too. And the power, the divine power is talking about that resurrecting power. Hallelujah. The life-giving power. Amen? The, the rebirthing power of God, which is completely, has to do with the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what it has to do. And so it says that His divine power, that resurrection power, has given us everything that has to do with life and godliness. And you guys have heard me explain this before. Life is the very life of God that we have with us now. Godliness, the word God, godliness simply means God-likeness. Right? When you say you're godly, you're saying what? Well, you're godly means you're like God. And so everything that has to do with being like God, and everything that has to do with having the life of God, we have been given when we were resurrected with Jesus Christ. And in the, this power, and uh, this power is the same thing that gave us these promises. And, and these things that have to do with life and godliness are these precious and exceedingly great promises. 
So everything about you, that's one of the main points I want to make today, has to do with who you became when you were born again. And you're going to hear me talk about this every day, every sermon, anything that has to do with the improvement of our lives. If you want to improve the, the experience of the Christian, if, you, if we want to walk like, like Jesus walked, we have to realize who we became. And so we're going to be talking about what Jesus has done to us always. Amen? And, and also, we should never forget that the power of what it means to be born again. The power and the, and, and, and the amazingness of what it means to be a new creation. Sometimes when we hear something too much, we let, not because it is in and of, himself, in and of itself unimportant, we let it become unimportant unimportant and commonplace in our minds. And in doing so, we can't experience the power of what it is that we're talking about. Are you with me? Us being born again, us being made new creations was the thing that, that the Bible talks about angels, a mystery that even angels are looking into. My friends, it is what the, all the, uh, the people of the Old Testament, people who had a relationship with God, were, were looking to with such expectation. How blessed are we to have, to, to have the ability in, here in our lifetimes to actually be, be born again and, and become the children of God just like Jesus was. Are you with me? The fact that Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters. This is a beautiful thing. So when we talk about resting in God, it, man, we gotta, we gotta, we got we gotta ground ourselves in the foundation of what it means for us to be born again, and what this divine power has to do with the divine power of God that took me from that old man that I was, the old man that is now gone, and there's a new creation that I have become, and this new creation came with exceedingly great and precious promises. I came with exceedingly great. And precious promises. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I came. Say, say it to yourself. I came with exceedingly great and precious promises. I came with exceedingly great and precious promises. And I'm not going to allow the devil to lie to me about who I am. I'm not going to allow the devil to lie to me about who God is and what I have. Because let me tell you, when you realize something, when you come into a certain truth, the enemy if he knows that he, he, could, he can keep you from learning about that truth, the next thing that you'll go to, he will rebound to making you not realize its power yeah I'm born again, yeah I'm a new creation, yeah I'm... and if we say these things lightly but never experience their power we'll be lied to again by the devil and we'll fall into his lies We have to eat this up. We have to meditate on this until it becomes reality. I, have, I was born again with exceedingly great and precious promises. I am precious to God. Hallelujah. I am precious to God. I'm renewing my mind right now, guys. Praise God. Exceedingly great and precious promises. Because <laughs> I have received everything that has to do with looking like my father. 
Thank you, Jesus. I have received everything that has to do with looking like God. That has to do with the life of God. Thank you, Lord. And whatever happens next is my responsibility. Giving it to me was his responsibility. Are you with me? But what we do with this, with these promises is our responsibility. It's not God's responsibility. It is yours. It's a personal thing. I can't live that out for you. You can't live that out for me. It is a personal thing, what we do with the promises of God. Amen? So you have to ask yourself, what am I going to do with the promises that God has made me? I'm tired of falling prey to the lies of the devil. First, he makes me doubt if God accepts me. I believe it. Now I know that I've received promises. And I, you can't just move on from that lightly. There are some things in life. There are things, truths, that we can't walk away from. We can't, we can't just know them and just walk away from them. We're meant to live in them. Are you with me? Praise God. Once you realize it, it's like David says, your love, what, uh, Psalm 91, his love and his mercy will chase me, right? All the days of my life. You got to cause yourself to be attached to the promises of God so that they are with you wherever you go. That you are walking them wherever you go. Praise God. Amen. We will only rest as much as we keep our mind attached to the promises of God for us. There's no such thing as just saying, I'm just resting in God. We have, to, we have to open up our Bible, dive in deep to what He says to us and what He has promised us. What, is, what are His promises for me? Praise you, God. What has God promised me? And if I can't come up with any promises, then I, then I, then I have a lot. Then, then, then I'm not, I'm not being, uh, I'm not having done my due diligence to rest in God. I'm just hoping that an emotion of rest will come and soup, soup and overtake me. And I rest, I feel rest. <laughs> and if I don't rest, it's like, God, where are you? I want to rest. He's like, I've given you everything, but you, you don't do anything with what I give you. Just imagine how frustrating this is to God, but He loves us. I told you, even when He's displeased, He's displeased for you. He hurts for you. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. We'll, we'll just read it from verse 15, okay? For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you my prayers. I keep asking... One second, guys. Give me a minute. i got to change my translation. I'm a new King James guy. Another English became was like too easy for me. <laughs> all right. So he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you my prayers, that... The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Himself. I just want to stop there, by the way, real quick. The, the scripture, uh, if you go back to the, the uh, Second Peter, right? Second Peter. Uh, Peter also says the same thing. He says, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, okay, knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord." 
as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he's saying you already have it, but the only way peace and rest will be multiplied in your life and you'll actually encounter it is when what? When your knowledge of God and Jesus. And that's your responsibility. That's my responsibility, right? I am, a, I am who I am in my spirit that God has given me. I have, I have, but I have every responsibility to discover that, to know who I am. To know these promises. So when I know God, I know his promises. Praise God. When I know Jesus, and, and, the, and also when the way Jesus lived his life on this earth, that is my example. I find God's promises in that, right? So let's go back to uh, 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 Ephesians 1. He says uh, that, that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Praise God. And he says, verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding being, uh, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Hallelujah. I just want to stop here and just say something about that too. He says that you may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You are God's inheritance. God says we are his people. We are his reward. We are his inheritance. A glorious inheritance to God. So, it says, when you know God and understand his will, you will know what are the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in you. Are you with me? <laughs> this, is some of the, this is some of the best teaching I've ever heard. Pray, <laughs> praise the Lord, Steve. Praise the Lord. What? Hallelujah. So what? Just, just imagine that. When you know God, you begin to see what He sees. And you discover what is the exceeding greatness. I don't know, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, in you? Who are you to God? You are a glorious inheritance. The devil doesn't want you to know that. The devil wants you to think you're, the, you're a burden to God. That's what you are. Extra baggage and weight. <laughs> Hallelujah. What you see, think of yourself makes all the difference. This is one of the promises. Knowing that I am a glorious inheritance to God. Me? Wow. Changes your perspective. Changes your mind. And changes how you approach whatever it is that you're faced with. You come to face, to face with in life. Amen? Praise God. So... And then he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised them from the dead. Are you with me? So the power of God has to do with the power of the resurrection. God did the most of what he would do. His power for you has already been revealed. Are you with me? Sometimes we might be waiting for a rescuing power of God to come, a helping power of God to come, a transforming power of God to come. We're just waiting for God to do stuff. But His power has been revealed. It says that you may know Him. That's what it says. It says that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power with which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. That's the same power I've encountered. 
And then he says that, that he seated Jesus far above all principality and power and might and dominion, that every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the uh, but uh, but also in that which is to come. And verse 22 says this, and he put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. I just want to give you one major promise that God makes us. We know that what? That we are a, with two promises. We, I am a glorious inheritance, inheritance to God. Me, you, his saints, his body. Praise God. What a promise. It's not, even a, it's not even an upcoming promise. It is a current reality. Glorious. Amen? You are glorious to God. What, huh? what amazing thing it is to be, to, be, uh, to, to, to be esteemed by God. God esteems you. God esteems me. God esteems his children. Thank you, Lord. Second, talks to us about the power of God. That, that, that same, it's the same power according to which we has raised us up with Christ Jesus. And then he tells us what that power did. It tells us that it, it, that power took Jesus from the clutch of death and what? Seated him at the right hand of God with power over all, every demonic thing, over every issue that we could face on this earth, above all those things. Where? Under what? His feet, he says. Under Jesus' feet. And then he proceeds to tell, he tells us, this is what? The head over all things to the church, which is his body. So Jesus is the head. We're the body. All of us. All the way to the feet. Every darkness. Every principality. So all those things are not just under Jesus' feet, but they're also under your feet because you're the body. My friend. Amen? I am the body. So... Every demonic thing is under my feet. Darkness under my feet. Praise God. So we will only rest as much as we keep our mind attached to the promises of God for us. Let's go to Romans 12.1. Let's talk about renewing our minds. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that by, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to, the, to this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does, what does it mean to renew our minds? And what do we renew our minds with? It matters what you renew your mind with. It's not merely the Word of God that you renew your mind with, by the way. Because you can pick out any scripture, any verse, and there are many things in the Bible that do not apply to you. Right? There, there are an, there's an entire system in, of the Old Covenant that does not apply to me whatsoever. What applies to me are the exceedingly, come on, exceedingly great and precious promises that came with the life I have received. That, that, that pertain to life and godliness. You renew your mind with the promise of God. So I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. If you are 
Renew your mind. What is it that you renew your mind with? The promises of God. The promises of God that have been given to me and that I were established by the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what you renew your mind with. Otherwise, you're not renewing your mind. Amen? That's why it's possible for someone to take the Word of God, preach something out of the Word of God to you, and completely tell you things that do not apply to you. It's not just the Word. It's got to find the promise in the Word. The promise. Hebrews chapter 1. Writer of Hebrews writes that in the times past that God spoke to us through the prophets, through all these people, but now in these last days, God has spoken through His Son. The promises of God are found in the Son of God. The finished work of the Son of God. Amen? So we find ourselves in the finished work of Jesus Christ and His promises, and that's what I'm supposed to renew my mind with. Hallelujah. So renew your mind in the promises revealed that are revealed to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Just as we just saw, Second Peter 1, 2 says, In the knowledge of grace and peace, multiply, multiply to you in the knowledge of Him, of Jesus Christ. We, should, we just saw, also saw it in Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 15, right? That we, that we, we, that we grow in the knowledge of God and His Son. It's all there. That's where you find the promise of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Here's what I want to tell you. It's more of a question. I want to ask you this. What will it take for you to rest in God? What will it take for you to rest in God? Ask yourself that question. It's a very personal question. Like what? Right now, maybe you're dealing with situations where you don't feel rest. You don't feel, you feel more what you feel is anxiety. And ask you, like, what will it take for you to rest God? No, you know, some, many people would say, well, you know, if, if only God would, would speak to me. If only God would do this and this. If only I saw a vision. Right? If only someone called me and gave me a word of knowledge. You've been there. I've been there before. Have you ever been having a church service? Right? And you're like, God, call me out now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Lord, let them call me. It's like, ah, no, they call somebody else. Like, right? You just want to hear a word. You want to hear confidence. You want to hear it. And I love that God, God does that on his time. God, God does that on his time. He's a, he's a personal God. He wants to speak to you personally more than he actually wants to speak to you through someone else. And he does that. He, he has his reasons and he's sovereign. He, God knows what he's doing. But he wants you to know, to know his own voice perfectly. But we say that, right? Like, well, what will it take for you to rest in God? And we say, if, if only this happens, if only he would speak, if only he would show me this, if only, um, whatever that might be for you. Maybe, if only I could hear the audible voice of God, I would rest. Today, if God just said to me, hey, I'm with you. I love you. Just feel a touch. God, I will rest forever. I remember once I was, I was about, you know, I was at a church about to go up minister and doing worship. I literally felt a finger touch my forehead like this. And it was the Lord. Which was amazing. I'm just telling you, like, that didn't change, like, I don't think that affected necessarily how I preached. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, you have to know that whether you experience God in some supernatural way, or you don't, it doesn't mean that you have a lack of God. Because you don't have the lack of God. There have been also times in my life when God spoke to me clearly, miraculously, supernaturally, and then I doubted the most I ever doubted. 
if he was with me or if he was really doing the things he said in my life. Talking about the resurrection of Jesus, the Bible talks about how after his disciples saw him, that some doubted. In fact, as a matter of fact, it talks about how, how when Jesus was uh, when, when ascended and went up into heaven, it says they all saw him. You know what it says next? And some doubted. <laughs> I would offer you this. Whatever it is that you're waiting on to happen before you rest, chances are, if you don't change you right now, even if you saw that thing, your rest wouldn't change. It might change momentarily, but as soon as that experience is over, you probably will go back to your current state. Because the problem is not the lack of God. The problem is with you. The problem is with us and the state of an unrenewed mind that is refusing to take with discipline what's in the Word of God and live by it. It won't change anything. Because there were disciples and people who saw Jesus ascend into heaven and doubted. So we think, if only this, there's many people, people would say, if God reveals himself to me, I'd believe him. Atheists would say, if God would show himself, I'd believe, I'd follow him. If God, no, not necessarily, no. And God doesn't like to waste his time, by the way, also. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's, that's, that's just a personal, personal opinion. Don't, don't take my, my word for it. You know, the children of Israel, Israel, right? I don't think, no person has seen more grand saw or saw or has seen more grand miracles than the children of Israel in the wilderness. I don't think anybody has seen any grand. I mean, who saw Red Sea split before them? Food, manna raining down from heaven, right? Like water coming out of the rock. I mean, they just saw so many things happen. pillar of fire by night, the cloud by day, the angel of the Lord protect. They saw so many amazing feats. The miracle, they walked and lived in a supernatural world, supernatural state. That was their daily occurrence. We think seeing God face to face and hearing His voice face to face would actually cause us to a place of faith and rest. They were such doubters. That didn't change anything for them. I want to tell you this about the condition of your condition. They didn't have a lack of God but, or, or, the, or the faithfulness of God or the miracles or anything like that. But they were the most doubtful, rebellious, unfulfilled people. The grand miracles they saw and experienced cannot get them into the promised land. There was the promise for them, the, called the promised land. But no miracle they saw could get them in, into the promise. No matter how grand it was. No matter how grand it was, no miracle they saw. It didn't cause them to enter it. And if, and if you think... If we think that if God would just do something so amazing in my life, it would cause me rest to enter into the promises that I've been I've received by being born again, it won't. It's not God who needs to change, it's you and I. Amen. 
It's us that need to change. And they couldn't enter in because it wasn't, it wasn't the response. It's not the, pro, the responsibility of God to get us into the promise. God always does His part. But there's our part. And their part, they didn't enter in because of their lack of obedience and lack of initiative to act on what God was showing them. So we have a responsibility to act on the promise, to know what the, what, what, what the what, what promises God has given us. And we have to be disciplined to enter into those promises. I want to tell you this. Rest is not a matter of emotion, but of discipline. Rest is not a matter of emotion. Rest is not a feeling. It's a matter of discipline. Discipline. We have to discipline ourselves to rest in His Word, to get in His promises and stay there no matter what it costs us. I have to choose to stay in it. No matter what it costs me, no matter how much and what, what the promises tell me goes against what I feel, I have to discipline myself to remain. That's why rest, I said, is not a matter of emotion, but of discipline. Amen? It comes, the emotion comes after the discipline. The feeling of rest will always follow the action of the, 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 the disciplined action to, to know and remain in the promise of God. To know and what? Remain. If you know, I know it, and just walk away from it, you're going to lose. The, the truth of God is not something that for us to know. It's, some, it's something for us to abide and reside in. Amen. To know it and stay in it. Hallelujah. So, you don't have a lack of God. Just as the Israelites don't have a lack of God. You don't have a lack of God. You don't have a lack of His promises. As a matter of fact, His promises are the, what have a lack of us. <laughs> you know how we treat the promises of God? We treat the promise of God like that email that you don't use. An email that, you know, the one that you use to like sign up for stuff for spam, right? Everybody got that. Mine is a Yahoo email account, right? Back in the day, nobody, nobody would use a Gmail for that. You might use a Yahoo for that. And, and, and you never check that email because it's full of spam. That's how we treat the promise of God. We never check that inbox. Check your promise inbox. Okay, check your promise inbox. Praise the Lord. God wants us to stay attached to that inbox. Praise God. His promises. What, what God has spoken to you is enough. Okay? What's in the word? His promises is enough. You have enough foundation to act upon. You have enough, uh, enough ground to build upon. You have enough track to run on. You do. We do. We don't need something more. We don't think, we don't think so anything more grand to come. You know what? If God wants to do grand things, miracles, speak to you, uh, prophetic things, all these stuff, you know, let the Lord do it. And He does it. I've seen it in my life. He does it on His terms, on what He wants. Not when I want it. There's times I'm like, God, do this. Rarely happens. But He will do it on His time. Because all the other times He's saying to me, you got enough to build on His. you got enough to rest on His. But you're not disciplining yourself. You're waiting for the emotion of rest to come and overtake you when you are supposed to be Experiencing the discipline of rest. It's a discipline. Rest is a discipline. Amen? Not an emotion. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, his mind who is stayed on you. The discipline part is the stayed. Now, that's not God's responsibility. That's not God's doing. That's our doing. The stayed part. And it's not easy to stay. It takes discipline to stay. We want to we we stay when we feel like staying. 
We have to keep our minds stay, stayed on God. And that's the discipline of rest there. But then everything else will come. Amen. Because God loves us. You know, Second Chronicles 20, that's the, that's the story of the Bible when, where Jehoshaphat, when there's an army coming to attack them, God sends his word through his prophet that tells them, you do not need to fight this battle. Tomorrow the Lord will fight for you. Right after Jehoshaphat says, just fell on his face, started worshiping God. Why? The word was enough. Right? The word was enough. Respond to the word. Let us discipline ourselves enough to rest in his word. Amen. To rest in his word. To rest in his promises. Praise God. I just want to read one more scripture for you guys and we'll close with this. This is uh, John 17. And we keep, we keep going to this chapter over and over and over again. And you know why this chapter is so significant is because this is, this is the prayer that Jesus prays, pr- prays right before going to the cross. He was facing a very hopeless, seemingly hopeless situation, right? So, we find whenever you find yourself in that hopeless situation, in a hopeless situation, what did Jesus do? Is the question I have to ask myself. And so let's look at what he prayed and and how he responded to hopeless things. Here it is, hope, um, uh, John chapter seventeen, verse five. Here's what he says. Uh, he says, "And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was." Before that, verse four, he says, "I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished." The work which you have given me to do. And then he says to God, Father, glorify me together with you with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And the reason he says this is because when Jesus walked on the earth, he did not walk as God. He walked as man. We talk about this all the time, right? And he's saying, Father, restore me to who I was. So that means, that means he left it behind. He left his deity behind and came to earth as a man. He wasn't walking on the earth as, as God. This to Jesus was the promise he was looking at while he faced the hopelessness of the cross. Jesus rested in this word that God would be restoring him and glorifying him to the glory he once had as he faced that hopeless situation. He was disciplining himself with this truth and resting. He was resting in this even as he faced the cross. What an example, right? So what is the God's promise to you? What is God's promise to us? We're accepted. We're loved. We're His glorious inheritance. Amen. And what He has given us is enough. Joshua 1.9 God commands them. Meditate on this law day and night. Right? We are to meditate on the promises of God day and night. We're not just supposed to know them, but they're supposed to become like our breath. You know, you're always breathing in and out, right? Inhale and exhale. We're supposed to be inhaling and exhaling His promises. Guys, if we did that, man, our lives would be transformed. They'll be changed. And it's on us. We have to have discipline to do that. And that's what God is calling us to do. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Praise God. Father. God, we thank you. You are so good. 
Thank you for teaching us, Holy Spirit. Yeah, we, we, we want your word and we want your, your promises to be like the air to us that we are inhaling and exhaling always. Inhaling and exhaling. That we don't move away from it. That we don't walk away from it. But that we remain in it. That we never think that we know it and try to move on to something else. Whatever we learn from you is something, whenever you learn something new, it's something that, 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 that adds on to what you already know. Something that expands what we know, not, not replaces it or something we move away from. Lord, we will never move away from your promises. We will never move away from the finished work of Jesus, who we are in you. God, we thank you for loving us. You've given us exceedingly great and precious promises. We thank you, Lord, for that. Father, I pray for your joy. I pray for your for courage to come upon everybody. Courage to come upon your children this morning. All of us, let me receive this courage. Courage to move forward and experience the discipline of rest. Hallelujah. That we stop waiting around for rest to come. That we stop waiting for an emotion of rest, but that we take the initiative to live with a life, a life of discipline, of resting. Staying our minds on you. Staying our minds on your promise. Hallelujah. When we do that, the emotion comes. The feeling comes. Everything else comes. Hallelujah. And it, it comes to a place where it actually begins to overflow from us and bless the world. Thank you, Father, that this is our reality. Hallelujah. We break every lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Every stronghold we remove in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, every stronghold in your life, every thought, pattern, and process, things that you've been struggling with will go, will break. There is nothing that will not break when you meditate on the promise of God. Amen? There's nothing that will not break because you're a child of God. And the only power that the enemy has been exercising over you is his lies. And so when you know the truth, and when you know the promise of God, it leaves. It leaves, man. Praise God. Even physical sickness and disease leaves when you know who we are. It leaves and it breaks when you know who we are. We have to stay in the promise. Oh God, we will rest in your promises and we will enjoy you. Hallelujah, God. Let your encouragement be over 